0: Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name is Dom and I'll be playing host to conversations tailored for those who love the outdoors. Thank you for joining me on this adventure where I speak to a whole host of interesting guests with inspiring stories. For our next stop on this adventure, we are joined by Ben Coomber. Ben helps empower people fill their potentials, to become fit and strong, to follow their dreams and be the truest version of themselves. At age 18, he was obese, unhappy, and unhealthy, but he had the desire to better himself and realize his potential. At age 20, Ben became a personal trainer, nutritionist, and coach, coaching one-to-one for many years, including working in elite sport, running retreats, and coaching kids. In 2022, Ben wrote his number one best-selling book, How to Live an Awesome Life, his 11-step formula for becoming the most awesome version of yourself and living an awesome life. His 16 years of coaching experience is condensed into this book covering all areas of self-optimization. And if you want to live an awesome life, then stay tuned to this episode where we talk through some of Ben's 11 steps as well as the journey that he took to get him to where he is today. But just before we jump into this episode of the Outside and Active podcast, a massive shout out to this week's sponsor, Mizuno. The National Running Show and Outside and Active have partnered with Mizuno to give away a race place at the Amsterdam Marathon or Half Marathon. Mizuno is the official kit sponsor of the marathon and title sponsor of the Half Marathon, the biggest in Netherlands. The marathon is a World Athletics platinum label road race that is the fourth fastest in the road. Head over to the National Running Show Instagram to read the full terms and conditions and enter for a chance to win. This is at a really amazing price, and so make sure you head over now to enter. Without further ado, let's head straight into this episode of the Outside and Active podcast. Ben, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm awesome. You? I'm, I'm good. I'm really enjoying your background, uh, your bookshelf. It's far more interesting than the person that I've got that I think's running in jeans. Um, but you've got a, a far more interesting things behind you there uh, and things that I really want to chat about uh, and get into that in a bit. But the first thing that we do on every episode is that I am going to be su- be passing you a piece of information that... Uh, a piece of advice that is passed along from a previous podcast guest and they don't know who they're leaving it for and it can be about anything and they are offering it to you so this piece of advice comes from Ben Parker who's a a really really great running coach and we had him on recently talking about marathon training and his piece of advice is the longer we work at it the better we get so the question that is connected to that For you, is how long have you been doing what you're doing and are you still learning every single day?
1: Learning every single day and still have a really big hunger for it. Uh, The hunger's not died at all. How long have I been doing what I've been doing? I suppose all my adult life, really. I'm very lucky that I had a, a very significant personal transformation when I was 18, lost five and a half stone, lost a load of weight. Um, if we were to reference running one of my things that I did to actually celebrate my physical transformation was uh, I did a tough uh, tough guy UK race which back oh, in the right. day there were that like it was really hard it was like freezing crawling through mud you know swimming underwater through caves yeah. like it was, they were really tough back then um, not like tough mudders now where it's you know don't get me wrong they're a good physical challenge but they're a little bit more lightweight yeah they're days, accessible. But, um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I'm I'm still going. I'm still trying to keep fit and healthy. I still run a couple of businesses. I still try and help
0: educate, and uh, the fire is firmly burning. I love that. And there's a lot that you've mentioned. Some of them, there, are really looking forward to going in and jumping into some of those things. Uh, but the first question to ask you is something that we ask to every guest that comes onto the podcast, and that's: What do you, Ben, love about being outside and active?
1: What is not to love? do you know what, i was actually reflecting uh, a couple of weeks ago that right now in my life i am not outside enough i can just feel it i get like tetchy um and it's challenging for me so i've got two young kids and that does keep you in the house quite a lot because you have to like feed them and wipe them and like just generally keep them alive but mate it's It just feels natural as a human to be outside the wind on your face. It might be raining like the sun's in your eyes. Like no one never not says, God, I wish I didn't go for that walk or I "I wish I didn't go to the beach or wish I didn't touch that tree or feel that rain. Like that just doesn't happen. And that's because we are natural beings living in quite an unnatural world right now. If I think about my life right now, I'm not happy with how much I'm indoors. I get up look after my kids for like three hours a day uh in the morning and then i'm at work and then it's quite often behind a laptop and then afterwards like the kids might come home sometimes i go to the gym i'm like i'm outside for like 45 minutes a day sometimes i'm like that's not enough it doesn't feel like it's feeding my inner animal so i know it's a bit of a tirade but um, i just think there's so much wrapped up in this
0: and how do you find that work-life balance because i'm always interested the people that we chat to on this podcast are always so busy doing lots of different things and there's so many different ventures and that can sometimes, even if you started with that, like you said, that appreciation for the outdoors, you're trying to balance family, you're trying to balance work and progressing your work and your career and trying new things, but also the core thing to you and the, like you just said, you love being outdoors is trying to balance that. So do you kind of schedule out time in a week or is there is there a way that you go about it? So my working pattern is I
1: generally work about 34 hours a week-ish, sometimes 30. And I work like six to seven hours Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Half day I have with my kids on Wednesday. And then I go to the gym on a Monday, Tuesday, and Friday afternoon. That's my commitment to like my fitness. Yeah. And then I just try and find all these micro moments in the day where possible to just like get out in the garden, take the dog for a 15 minute walk. She's a bit old now, so she can't really handle more than about 15 <laughs> minutes. So my work life balance is good. Like I'm not like I'm not complaining. I'm a business owner. I can, you know, I can create my life the way that I want to live it. Um but having two young kids can be restrictive; you can't always do the things that you want to do in the way that you want to do it, so I'm not complaining um and I think luckily, in the modern world, there is more flexibility to live your life the way that you want to. You can kind of put pressure on that because ultimately with your job, it's not always about time that you work it's about how you've performed like if Absolutely. you can produce an outcome in 45 minutes rather than 90 minutes then you're a top performer like you know and you get to clock off a bit early and you know go for a run or whatever so yeah i'm happy with my work-life balance and the only thing that probably really ruins it is a bad night's sleep because it it makes us poor performing right i get a bit grouchy motivation sluggish so that's the thing that usually throws a spanner in the works for me
0: yeah sleep's one of the ones that i want to pick up with pick up on in your uh, in your 11 steps but we'll come on to that because this journey that you're on now sort of seemed to start at a certain point when you're around 18 and you touched on it there when you were talking about why you love being outside and active but what happened at that point of your life and that almost cathartic feeling to make you go no i'm, I'm gonna go down this route and start this journey
1: So I was trying to progress a career in the performing arts and I was being really unsuccessful, basically. And I just had to look at myself and I was like, what is wrong with me? Like I had to put the mirror up to myself and ask those questions. And long story short, I was like, I'm overweight. I don't feel the best version of myself. I've got loads of health challenges going on. Let's sort them out. Like, come on. Like, what's stopping me? I've got the time like and that's ultimately all i need the answers are out there you just got to find the right people the right resources the right books and i just went off on that journey and it was quite problematic at first i didn't have the right tools i had the right mindset i had the right motivation that was all there but the might have the tools was a problem and that's what forced me actually not forced me inspired me to get into the industry because i was like loads of people will be doing what i'm doing and it's not working they need to know this stuff and that's what kind of pushed me into the industry so yeah uh, i was being unsuccessful held a mirror up to myself and was like let's change so i changed and it then started this kind of snowball of personal development where i was like wow this stuff's amazing like yeah i've lost weight but i'm now more confident i have a higher self-worth of myself i believe in myself i've got a level of inner strength that now i want to do like other things with that Um, And that's why I think health and fitness is a gateway to a better life because you empower yourself.
0: I think that's one of the key things picking up on what you said there is that, yes, you were, you know, you you were unhealthy uh, and and, and you said on your website that you're obese. And and I'm sure there were insecurities tied in with that as well. But it was that unhappiness, unhappy with being where you were. And yes, okay, you had the motivation to transform that but saying where you are now about having get yeah, the motivation and the confidence to live life in a way that you're you're happier about doing so is one of those key relations of we all know how important and how relatable mental health and physical health are they they're interchangeable when we're not feeling great we don't want to train when we are training we're probably going to be feeling great when we're getting outdoors so can you look back at the where you were then and think there's such a massive shift in my mindset compared to then do you know what it was i don't think there was ever a mindset
1: issue i think there was a knowledge issue and then an environment issue so when i was younger i was in an environment that was quite restrictive was quite oppressive uh things had to be done a certain way and I, i didn't like that i fought against that so when i became an adult i was like well now i can do things my way and i wasn't in an environment where there was then voices and controlling factors. And that's why a lot of people don't change because they're in an environment that almost doesn't foster change. Maybe they, you, you live in a, an environment where your family or your colleagues or whatever don't believe in you. like They don't think it's normal to do certain things. So if you're then not the norm, you feel bad for that. You feel shameful and you don't take action on some of the things that you you want to take action on. And then after that, it was a knowledge thing. Like I wasn't ever taught about good nutrition at school. I wasn't taught how to be fit. Yeah, we played sport. We played a lot of sport at school, but I wasn't taught those things. So as an adult, I was like, "Well, I, I need to go and learn how to eat." Mm. You know, I need to. And then once I learned that, and then paired it with a freeing environment and the mindset to want to succeed, it kind of all came together.
0: You get the the typical balanced diet. Yeah, but well, what like what is that, and what is this doing to mm. me, and how how am I fueling my body in the right way? It's and such that, a shit term that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's um it's there's the industry that you're in and that we're chatting about there's so much misinformation there's so much because it's something that makes people it is it's you know people are always thinking about their weight how they look um if they're exercising enough that there's so much information coming into this industry that you sort of have to try and wade through the misinformation and that's where knowledge comes into this how are you trying to convey that that message through to the people that are listening i think you're gonna have to reword your question yeah as because you'll you'll if you're going through social media you'll go see one person going in intermittent fasting keto diet are these things uh you know they're going to help you lose weight instantly because this is this is the best way to do it and you scroll one video two videos further along and you've got someone going no, look, it's it's calories in, calories out. It's it's simple mm. maths. And you're kind of going, hold on, well, I'm being told that I can eat what I want but just have to have an, a, a fasting period and I'll lose weight. Or this video is saying, eat what I, you know, just, just be a bit more mindful about the calories that I'm taking in, but do I have to calorie count? Where's that? Can you understand and appreciate how difficult it can be for people looking to to try and feel healthier and act healthier for sure
1: so misinformation is rife right now like we live in the world where information is so freely available you can find the answer for anything and everything but if you still google how do i lose weight you're still going to get a bazillion different answers it's going to be ridiculous and if you read the first 10 links on google would they all surmise oh, it's all about calories. Probably not. There's probably a load of stuff within there that makes it confusing. And then you've got adverts within those blogs that are telling you, like, don't eat a ripe banana. Don't (laughs) eat these three foods if you don't. We all know that ad on Google. We've bloody seen it, right? I think the thing that you've got to come back to is... Let's air a little bit of common sense. Let's just zoom back and be like, okay, does this feel intuitive? Does this feel human? Like if someone said to me, oh, fasting would be a great thing. Well, you could actually stand back and go, well, intuitively, we we wouldn't have always had food available. We would have had to go and pick it, hunt it, et cetera. So actually, our body's probably pretty adept to go in for long periods of without without food, right? That's why we have fat stores yep. and stuff. So that kind of makes sense. And then someone says, oh, well, fat's bad and it's like well does that make sense because a long time ago in the uk we probably would have eaten a lot of like game meat would have hunted like deer and stuff because they're quite easy to catch because they're not very clever (laughs) um so it's like well a deer's not that lean but it's got some fat on it so does that really make sense because historically you know that that's a food that we probably would have thrived off given our locality and where we live so i think there has to be a common bit of common sense but you've just got to try things right So when I was younger, I was just always rapidly trying out these ideas. Like, Oh, someone's talking about the paleo diet. Okay, cool. I'll I'll try. And actually, that kind of makes sense because paleo is like, don't eat anything kind of too man-made. Like, try and reduce your carbs a little bit. Like, focus on fruits and veggies, eat lots of meat. And I was like, actually, that kind of makes sense. That feels like quite natural Natural. to me. So I'm going to roll with that. And that's how I lost the majority of my weight. I went on a low-carb paleo diet. And I'm not recommending that now. But actually from all the diets out there's probably a slightly more sensible diet given you know the information that is out there in the world so air some common sense try things but as soon as things aren't working like be bold enough to be like yeah i've given it six weeks this doesn't feel right i don't feel great i'm not losing weight let's kind of move on and if you've got data points to support that then brilliant but i always want people to listen to their body a lot of people do not trust their intuition because they live in the, we live in the information age and it's like well I can Google everything like, oh, this is happening. What's the answer? It's like, just stand back and listen to your body. What's your body telling you? Your body has so many of the answers if you're willing to just be quiet for a bit and listen.
0: As well as the nutrition, when you were, you know, on this journey starting to lose weight, what training were you doing? Were you going to the gym? Were you running? Were you trying lots of different things?
1: So when I first started to lose weight, I was running three times a week and it was good, but I didn't physically feel that i was getting the physical benefits that i wanted and being a young man i wanted to be more muscular so i started going to the gym and lifting weights a little bit but again the diet wasn't in check so i wasn't seeing the results that i wanted to fast forward a bit i hadn't really got the results i wanted and i was like right where do I get answers? And I was like, well, let me join a gym, a proper gym, because people in gyms know what they're doing because there's success there, right? So I joined a gym, fell in the hands of a great trainer. He sat me down. He goes, the running's good, but let's do a little bit less because you really want to build muscle. So let's try and build muscle and lose body fat at the same time because you're young. You've got high testosterone because you're young. You've got time on your hands so you can train a lot. Um, and we'll get the diet right, you know, because no offense, you've got a lot of fat to lose. So there's not going to be any issue with like losing muscle mass because you're that overweight that's the reality of physiology um and i lost weight so quickly once i would got on the right path so it's always been a mixture of weight training because i really buy into the benefits of strength i love having a high level of muscle mass because physically i think i look better yeah i feel i perform better and I've always done a mixture of either just like different sports. So I've played a lot of rugby in my background, but things like running, cycling, swimming have just always been in the background as like
0: basic baseline cardio pursuits that I would do. But that was, you found the weight lifting and going to the gym more enjoyable for you. That was the, what that, you know, you knew what goal you wanted to hit. You wanted to build muscle as well as losing that, uh, the fat that you had on your body, but maybe like you said the running and cycling was there in the background but it wasn't maybe choice number one is it about doing things that you are going to enjoy ultimately
1: yeah but there's a broader physical benefit so like right now I'm 36 I don't have a huge amount of time to train with my situation so I have to say well, what is my number one goal right now my number one goal is to build muscle because I've been ill for quite a long period of time and lost I lost a bit of muscle so I'm committing the free time that I feel I can give to go into the gym and building that muscle again. And I'd love to run more. I'd love to cycle more. I'd love to swim more, but I can't currently commit the time. So mm. I run like once a week and then I hit the gym three times a week to lift mm. weights. But if I had more time, I, I, w- I would honestly do a bit more, but I have to prioritize yeah. my goals. And family. It's like <laughs> exactly. Um, but ultimately that's going to lead to the most return Across all areas of my life, in terms of longevity, muscle math, strength, and my physical mental desire um, and I just think there's something beautiful that comes from doing things that are hard um, you know you grow so much as a person mentally and physically when you just do hard things.
0: The gym can be quite an intimidating place i've got a friend who's just mm. started to go and has spent a lot of time go- i'm going to the gym but i 'll go into the um, the workout room and i 'll do some body weight stuff or I'll do walk on the treadmill for a little bit, but oh, I don't want to go into the weight room because it looks really scary and there's lots of intimidating people. And what if I do something wrong, how are you, what would be your advice to someone that wants to you know, make a step in in this journey and, and is interested by lifting weights, but has that nervous, you know, new gym nervousness? Firstly, put on the clothes that make you feel good.
1: Put your headphones in and put on some good tunes and get into a good personal space. And then when you walk into the gym, make a beeline for what it is that you feel you want to do and you're there to do. And then know that everyone in that gym, however advanced they look, how good they look, they were once where you were. I once walked into a gym, 16 stone, unhappy, unhealthy, had no idea what I was doing. And now, yeah, I look like I know what I'm doing and I do know what I'm doing. I was once that person and that's what a gym is. A gym is an environment to facilitate the change that you want to make within your body ultimately. Yes, it leads to mental benefits as well. So I think if you can do those couple of things, I hope that would bring you confidence to step into what, yeah, can be a very intimidating
0: environment. And pick something that you think, oh, okay, that looks like I I kind of know how that machine might work. And then once you've done that a couple of times, you build the confidence on that and then you think, Oh, I might go and try that one, or you know, and then you all of a sudden you start to get a repertoire of quite a few different machines or um exercises that you then start to gradually, gradually feel comfortable with. Because like you said, everyone in that gym has been has walked into the gym for the first time and has been nervous. And even even now you've been to the gym for a few years, sometimes that if you're trying something new, then it can sometimes be quite intimidating. So I think I think that advice is 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 really really good because you another yeah go. So
1: another tip for people with the gym is actually be like vulnerable and be honest. So if you walk into the gym and you're quite new there, you don't know what you're doing. And you see someone that knows what they're doing and they look like they have an open personality. And what I mean by that is they've not got the headphones on grunting in the corner, like leave me alone. (laughs) I'm lifting weights. I've just finished work, like piss off. But people have like quite an open demeanor, walk up to them and say, can I just grab you for five minutes? Like I have no idea like how to squat. You look like, you know what you're doing. You've been training a long time. I'd really appreciate if you could just show me what I'm doing. And most people, if you're vulnerable and honest, would be more than happy yeah you know to show you and even if that person goes do you know what i'm just finishing this like circuit i'm doing give me seven minutes and i'll come and show you and i'll help you and then all of a sudden you're making friends you'll probably make progress quicker because you've gone and asked someone that knows what they're doing and we all know the power of mentors coaches just people further along their journey so vulnerability can be really powerful because you mm. you're you're you're, you're buying yourself experience just by being honest and there's not enough people that are honest in the world like if you keep walking around the gym like oh i don't know what i'm doing i'm not going to speak to anyone you're not going to make anywhere near the progress that you want to at the rate that you want to so just find people bring them into your world be vulnerable make friends and you'll progress
0: way quicker and it'll be more
1: enjoyable because then you've got peers in the gym rather than strangers and you
0: became a personal trainer so you must have seen this so so many times and and being around the gym and supporting people what what was a common what is a common thing you see from people taking that first step and and going into the gym or starting their fitness journey like an emotion that they come in with do they all come in saying oh i want to lose weight well what does that mean or why why do why do you want to do that what's something that you often see with people starting this journey There's a lot
1: there to unpack. Mm. And I've not been in the gym environment for a while. I do help a lot of people still, I think the thing that underpins most of the goals that people have is a desire to be happier. Mm. And if a lot of people can really resonate with that, rather than just be like, I just want to lose weight, they want to lose weight, because they want to be happier in themselves. So if they can start to be really honest with themselves with why they want to go on the journey they want to go on, they're going to be more emotively charged to make the change and be consistent with those changes. Because if you've just got a goal of, oh, I want to lose weight, when the going gets tough a little bit, sometimes that's just not a good enough reason to carry on. Motivation wanes. Yep. But if deep down you're like, do you know what? I want to be happier. I want to be more confident. I want to be like I was when I was 25 again. Then actually you're getting out of bed a lot more motivated and a lot more you know emotionally charged to do those hard things and sometimes things are hard like if you've committed to going for a run at 5 30 a.m three times a week some mornings you're not going to want to do that mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the reality but when you get out of bed and you think like that you're like actually this is going to lead me to a greater level of happiness it's not just what's on the scales or you know some kind of transient goal because when that goal's ended, you still want to be happier, right? You still want to maintain that, right? So th- you have to connect the the physical outcome with the emotional um, intent at the start.
0: Yeah, I can completely echo that. I've used, I went through a period of my main goal was to uh, lose body fat. And that was something that I was trying to do for a long, long period of time. Whereas now I've transitioned to going, right, well, I've got a marathon coming up in, couple of months I'm going to probably lessen the weight training a little bit start to ramp up the cardio and the running and that'll be my goal for this next two three months after that I know I've got um, a bit of a cricket season where I know I'm going to just try and maintain and and have fun and probably build the weights back in but then after that into the winter I really want to focus on putting on more muscle mass and you know the cardio might slow down a little bit so do you think for some people it might be easier to break either years or period times of periods down into smaller goals that they want to hit obviously it depends on person to person
1: i think it could be really helpful in general to just think longer term about your training anyway because we're very good at looking week to week like oh, mondays this day tuesday i do this friday i do that saturday i do that and it just kind of rolls but then it gets boring so it's like within that what's the bigger plan oh okay i'm doing an eight-week training block to achieve x goal and then i Think at the end of that eight weeks, I'd like to transition into that. But that can just be a desire at that point in time. You might get to weeks six, for example, and be like, well, actually, I'm just going to tweak that slightly. And you've always got something to look forward to rather than just being in that kind of that that treadmill of just the week to week and it getting kind of stale. And that can be again the advantage of having a coach, because your coach will sit down Mm. with you and go, Cool, what's your goal right now? Okay, cool. I think that will take 12 weeks to achieve. So let's do a 12-week training block. And then when we get to week eight, we'll start to think about week 12 onwards, depending on where you're at, how your goals have shifted, like you say, what's happening with the seasons. You might be coming into cricket season, cycling season, like whatever. And that way you're constantly keeping yourself interested. It's kind of like the holiday principle where life feels more exciting, where you're like, oh, I'm going on holiday in May like you just there's something to look forward to right but if you don't have those things in your life all you focus on is like the week to week and it can just feel a little bit flat and i think we need these peaks and troughs in our lives to kind of appreciate like the day-to-day and then like where that kind of high or that finish will be and also if you plan your training like that you get to have a moment where you celebrate because at the end of the 12 weeks you're like you're not really happy with that 12 weeks yeah. so i achieved that goal i've set a pb now let's move over here and if you don't have those blocks you don't get those small wins and those small wins are, are important
0: definitely definitely where did your path go from embarking on this journey pting and then starting to sort sort of spread into the multitude of different things that you do now the, the books the training the websites where did it all start to kind of take that next level up
1: I think any entrepreneur will tell you they just sort of keep following their interests and where they can sort of feel that they can solve problems so like i really like tra- traveling so i wanted to combine like personal training and coaching with traveling so i started a online coaching business in 2008 before it became like a, a big thing <laughs> um and then i was like well the internet's quite powerful because you can reach a lot of people so then decided to master like how to build a brand online and that kind of thing so i then built a big coaching business and then i was like well coaching's cool but what if i coached coaches and then i would have an even bigger impact and naturally in anyone's journey you just start to realize that you can do bigger things you can be bigger things so i was just constantly going oh, let's go over here and I can have a bigger impact and let's do this and I can have a bigger impact. So that's kind of how it all kind of grew. Um, and also I had the time and energy to do it back then, like in my 20s, single, like you just do whatever you want when yeah. you want. Um, and it's funny because now I'm sort of simplifying things even more. I'm like, <laughs> all of that stuff was a bit much right now. I'm just going to you know channel it all down. But that's the good thing about life. Like you just you should be following your interests your passions what you and that's that's okay like that
0: that keeps life exciting where you're coaching coaches in the last five years let's say have you really seen an influx of individuals wanting to become pts uh, life coaches nutritional coaches stuff like that
1: did definitely pre-pandemic pandemic it kind of created a lot of confusion of like oh what does the landscape mean for kind of coaches now so i don't think many people were like i'm going to start doing that in the pandemic because it wasn't a good secure move but there was a lot of pts that were like oh my god i need to go online and do the online (laughs) thing Um, I think even more post-pandemic It's become a thing Where people have sort of seen That the pandemic shifted a lot For a lot of people, right? People started to think differently They viewed life differently They viewed work-life balance differently Flexibility differently So I've seen a lot more people Go like freelance since the pandemic You know, choose to take a bit more control Back of their working hours And their time and stuff So um, I just know that helping other people is a cool thing to do. And I quite often say this to young people. I'm like, if you don't know what you want to do in life, serve others and you will gain fulfillment from it. And you will also learn a lot. Because if you work with people, you grow as a person as a result of helping those people because you have to help them overcome challenges, you know, support them. And that's an incredibly nourishing thing for people to do because you grow a lot as a person. And I think I really value that now as a parent, having been a coach for a long time, I get to take all those skills into being a parent. And there's a lot of overlap from coaching and parenting because it is about communication compassion and uh, empathy but also um you know being quite firm on what it takes to achieve an outcome yeah. for example so yeah mate, no one will ever regret helping other people as a,
0: as a line of work and one of those routes to helping people is through the book which is which is be- behind you how to live an awesome life where did that come about where's the title because that's your brand as well where's that come from
1: yeah so the brand is all things awesome the book title came out of uh I suppose serendipity, I've always wanted a a mainstream publishing deal. And um, I tried a lot and uh, it didn't really come about. And I've always been known for kind of nutrition as my main thing. And I'd been planning to write a nutrition book, but a publisher came to me and was like, "Um, well, we don't really do nutrition books. We kind of do personal development books. And I was like, oh, okay." He goes, have you got an idea for a book in the space of personal development? And it made me zoom back. And I was like, I'm not actually a nutrition coach. I am a high performance coach that develops people on a personal and professional level. And I use tools in a toolkit that I have to develop people in the way that they need to develop to perform at their peak. And the books that I've always enjoyed the most have been personal development books because they've always looked broader. Because if you can build a robust mindset, an open mindset, a mindset that's willing to change, adaptive to change, always Thinking critically about situations and information. That's an incredibly powerful tool. So I was like, actually, I've got an opportunity here to write a book way beyond the world of nutrition and help people in a much more impactful way. So like long story short, the how to live an awesome life came about. And it the first half of the book basically starts by getting people to challenge what they're doing right now, how they're thinking, how they're behaving, and then what they want in life. And then the first half of the book is quite challenging to read because I'm I'm poking the bear on. Yeah. lot. I'm like, I'm true. Why are you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm holding the mirror up. I'm like, we need to look at all these things, because if you want to change, we've got to look at the current like status quo in all areas of your life. So there's a lot of stories in the first half of the book, a lot of challenging questions. There's a lot of like homework to do. It's best to get the book in my opinion, in written format, because you can actually physically do the work. Uh, and then the second half of the book is basically then building the framework around achieving what it is you want to achieve. So, okay, if you want to be a high performance person, you're gonna to have to eat well, you're gonna to have to sleep well, you're gonna to have to think well, you're gonna to have to, um, you know, do these eleven things in essence to get to where you want to get to. And the reason why I kind of wrapped it around living an awesome life is that is what everyone wants to do. So we want to live well, right? Yeah, we so, want to have a good time. Like it's not just about being fit; it's about Oh, I want to be fit because I want to feel good in myself. I want to be able to do whatever I want. I want to live with freedom. Like it's all, it's all always more.
0: Yeah. That was my, that was going to be my next question is how do how do you define awesome?
1: For me, it's being able to live your life on your terms, in your way, and always feel like you're enjoying it uh one of the things i talk about a lot in the book is friction when you're experiencing friction in your life you're not enjoying life Mm. so whether that's people whether that's your job uh whether that's your energy levels like that's friction that's creating a not great experience of your life so it's good to read into that kind of stuff and be like if we can solve the friction that you have you will live a more free more enjoyable life um so that's what living an awesome life is to me it's about doing things on your terms in your way and you're you're ha- you're happy
0: <laughs> and and a, a way in which you help people is through through identifying you've kind of identified 11 steps or 11 ways in which you can start to make or start the journey to to leading an awesome life and they're on your website and they're clearly defined. I want to draw in on a few of them because I think some of them Mm. are really interesting and one of them is environment and you touched on it earlier. What do you mean by putting yourself in the right environment to be able to succeed?
1: So your environment is everything around you. So imagine you've just woken up And it's 6 a.m. and you're in your bedroom, right? So that's the first environment that you live in, your bedroom. So is your bedroom set up for success? Is it comfy? You've got nice sheets. Is it well ventilated? Is it quiet? All of that kind of stuff. So that's a sleep environment that sets you up for success. And then you walk downstairs and then your next environment you're probably going is your kitchen you want a drink of water, you want to eat, that kind of stuff. So is your kitchen set self-success? Is there healthy food in the fridge? Is there backups in the freezer? Is there backups in the cupboard? You know, all of that stuff. And then the rest of your home is an environment. Is your home built in a way where you you feel good? You like it. It's warm. It's cozy. It's nourishing. And then you get in your car. That's another environment. Then you get to work. That's a big environment because most of us spend six, seven, eight, nine hours a day at work. So are you enjoying work? Are you being challenged? Are you growing? Do you enjoy the company? Do you enjoy the people you work with? And then after that, you maybe go somewhere. You might go home or you might go to a running club or to the gym or to a community group? Do you enjoy those environments? And then another key environment now is our mobile phone. Apparently, statistically, most of our, you know, a lot of our free time is on our mobile phone. So the apps you go on, the things you digest, the things you listen to, are they good for you or are they bad for you? Mm. Because if that thing in your pocket isn't leading to growth to happiness to connection then then we've got to deal with that we've got to change it so that's what i mean my environment like you change all those things and you shape them your way you're going to live a much happier life because your environment is allowing you to thrive rather than well you know the downside
0: yeah and, and a place that i don't thrive is another one of the steps it's sleep because i that is one thing where I know there's so much advice around. Put your phone away. You know, start settling yourself down half an hour before. Get seven, eight hours of sleep, or whatever works for you. Try and wake up naturally, and and take care of that third, Effectively, what is a third of your life? Because it will affect the goals. If you're if you're looking to to go to the gym and you need to be energized, you need to have correct sleep and, and achieve those goals. Why is it so important? And why don't people take more care? people like me take care of it so i think
1: a lot of people don't put enough time into sleep because you can kind of get by yeah with a lot of daily functions with sleeping you know six hours of sleep and stuff um but a lot of people then just drink a bit more coffee and and whatnot but once you start to really get good sleep you realize that you kind of wake up even more on a deep physiological and psychological level and you're like oh my god i feel really freaking good um i think you know with sleep there's a lot of distractions and it's so easy to be like oh you know i'll go to bed a bit later but then you might wake up early and then you're like oh god i've only had five an hours half an hour of sleep now and now i feel kind of crap um there's a lot to contend with as well in the modern world there's a lot of stimulation there's a lot of technology there's a lot of notifications there's very busy minds which i think is really the number one problem that a lot of people have they have a busy mind Uh, they might wake up in the night and then they're thinking about work or a project or a loved one or whatever and then they can't get back to sleep so for me the first step everyone has to make is actually committing and prioritizing good sleep because none of those behaviors will change if you don't say actually i'm going to make this a priority and for me I get to bed really early because it's a priority. Do I miss out on things? Yeah, maybe. I maybe could watch more telly. I could maybe go out more or whatever. But it's a real priority for me to try and wake up the next day feeling my best and to be up before my kids, so actually I get forty-five minutes by myself before like all hell Mayhem breaks loose. Starts. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's like anything in life. Like again, try it. Like if you feel you're not sleeping well and that's affecting your performance, commit to improving your sleep and see how much better you feel. And if you don't feel good sleeping seven, eight hours a night and you feel fine sleeping six hours a night, then go back to what you were doing before.
0: Do you use the any of those sleep sleep recorders or um, trackers? Is that something that is it something that can help?
1: So I have an aura ring, but I only use it really now to kind of keep an underlying look at my physiology and what it's actually doing. I don't train enough to be overly concerned about my recovery. A lot of the time I only train three days a week for an hour. So it's not like I'm ever going to be on the edge of like overtraining in any way because of my training volume. Um, I think all of these technologies, people love to feel that they're doing something positive. And it's like, oh, I've got a watch so I can track my steps and track my heart rate. And I'm like, that data is useless if you are not doing anything with it. You're not using it to change behavior or track behavior. You're literally just wasting money, wasting time, wasting energy, wasting focus. Yeah.
0: Looking at it, going, "Oh, that's cool," and then
1: yeah, ignoring it. Oh, I haven't, I haven't walked much today. Are you going to do anything about it? Like, <laughs> what? you know. um And I think, and this is something that I've been experimenting with recently. I think it can sometimes lead to a bit more anxiety for people because you've got this kind of like monkey on your yeah. shoulder, of like, "Oh." You haven't slept enough or you haven't walked enough or you haven't trained hard enough or, you know, your recovery is low and then you're questioning things. So I think there's a fine line between using data to support behaviors and changes and trusting your intuition in your body and actually listening rather than having to have like your watch or whatever dictate your behaviour, I think there's a real middle ground now. It's like Mm. I don't have a watch on at the moment and I'm experimenting how not having a watch changes my sleep behaviour. Because what I'll do is I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll look at my watch and I'll be like, oh, fuck's sake, it's half two. And then I'm like, I'm thinking that it's half two and I'm like, I've got to get back to sleep. And then straight away, that's already a stress because I'm thinking about the time. So I've taken my watch off and i'm actually sleeping better because i have no connection to the time i just wake up in the middle of the night take a sip of water and be like i'm going back to sleep
0: mm.
1: i don't even have a concept of time and until i wake up where i'm like oh i think i'm awake i think it's time to get up then i i won't wake up and actually that's that's literally anxiety like i've just removed the anxiety out of my life it's such a simple thing so i think sometimes these bits of tech can get in the way can
0: overcomplicate interesting and a a third one of these 11 steps is inspiration is that inspiration from within is that finding an inspiration in someone else to try and uh give you a path to follow type of thing
1: both i think inspiration quite often has to start externally because you have to see what it looks like you have to kind of feel it and you know when i was starting out my journey i looked up to people and was like oh you're inspiring so i'm gonna like follow your blueprint like you do those things so i'm gonna like go and do it and then over time what happens with a physical and mental transformation is you start to empower yourself right you're like well now i believe i can do this because i've got I can see that I'm having success here. I'm I'm losing weight. I'm feeling better. Like I'm sleeping good. So then you inspire yourself, and you need less external inspiration. And I would argue that if three, four, five, six years down the line, you're still needing a lot of external inspiration, we need to fix that in terms of like an external, uh, an internal self worth, self confidence, yeah. self value kind of perspective. Um, but it's always going to be. A mixture of the two like i still like to go away and go to events with like great speakers because i find it quite inspirational it makes me think differently it makes me think bigger um and you're never you're never gonna really get that from like a podcast you'll get interesting information from a podcast but there's nothing like in-person inspiration and education where you just get to connect in that moment and also to take yourself out of your normal environment you quite often only radically think differently when you go to different environments, you think differently, you experience things. That's why travel so valuable, right? You go to a different country and your eyes are opened up in terms of food, people, culture, society, you know, just how they do things. And again, I think that's something that was quite beneficial to my journey as i traveled a lot when i was young and i experienced lots of different things and it it shapes your thinking you're a more open-minded person you're more culturally aware you've been exposed and experienced like lots of different things and that kind of drives your own level of inspiration as as well
0: and these steps are all i think kicked off by approach and i imagine that's right what's are you going to throw yourself into this? Are you going to be mentally ready to, to take these steps ahead to be able to live an awesome life?
1: Yeah. Cause how you approach life is everything, right? If you approach it negatively and I, I've been there, I've been there really recently where I've been quite ill and I've been approaching or had been approaching my life quite negatively, mm-hmm. but it then influenced how I communicated in my relationship. It then influenced how I behaved at work, like everything. So, this is why everything is a melting pot. Like when you work with a coach, you the coach should be prying into a lot of different areas into your life because a performance running coach can only do so much. If you're not sleeping well, you've got an unhealthy relationship at work and there's a lot of potential friction, for example, you're not eating well. So like it would be silly for the running coach to not be like, are you happy right now? Are you sleeping well? like how's work because all of that affects it like if you turn up for a run and you've had a really bad day at work and you're consistently doing it you're not going to run well because your head's in your head's up your ass so these things are all so interconnected and it all starts with our mind like everyone's got stress in their life right but we all handle it very differently my experience of a bad day's work it's, it's not that negative. It doesn't affect my sleep. I'm not that bothered by it. I'm like, it's just work. Whereas other people, they'll take that home. That, oh, work was so stressful today. And then all of a sudden, their kids are getting that. Their family members are getting that. They've turned up to training crappy because they've brought their homework with them. And it's like, if you can work on that mindset that work is work, and when you leave work, it's not going to affect you. And I know that's sometimes easier said than done, but that is very freeing. Very freeing because normally oh, work is just work. Um, so again, it's how we approach life, because if we can approach it in the right way and be resilient to all of the things that are in our life that could potentially be stressful, we'll be way happier, we'll reach our goals quicker, we'll have more fulfillment and a host of other benefits.
0: Just before I ask you the last last question, there's there's a really cool section of your website, which is the Knowledge mm-hmm. Hub, and there's an, a number of different really cool um, three areas that you can go into and, and and find out more information and one of them is uh where I cu- one of them i was going to talk about is the aura ring which you, you've spoken about is a really interesting thing that I, I know probably a lot of people won't have he- heard of as well um but the blood work as well is something that's i've not seen too much of or considered before just just touch on a couple of those things why they might be why you advertise them out
1: So I advertise certain things for people to go and explore like their health potential. So when it comes to gut health, we know that it's it's, it can have a a big impact on your health. So if you've got an inkling that there's an issue there, like go and get a stool test. If you've got an issue that, you know, uh, might be connected to blood work, like you may be questioning your hormones. Like as soon as you get a bit older, 35, 40, 45, Chances are there might be a hormonal issue going on because the way we live our lives, et cetera. So, you know, it's not a lot of money to go and get a full blood panel done privately. In my opinion, the NHS stuff isn't good enough. And also, they're not looking at optimal performance. They're basically looking at, are you in a state where you might get a disease suit? That's what the NHS are looking at. Yeah. They're not looking like we would. Um So I think it's important to look at that uh, kind of privately. And then there's just like other companies that I love. Like I'm a big fan of uh, Barefoot Shoes. You know, there's certain like clothing that I like. And it's just good to point people into places where if you're struggling with this or you're interested in this, like go over and check this out.
0: Very cool. Very cool. If you had a magic wand and could impart a piece of information or a fact or dispel some information, you could just grab everyone in the world, shake them and go, listen, this, this, this peace will help you or something like that this this information is wrong ignore that this is right what would you want to say to someone i would want people
1: to listen to themselves and trust themselves and believe in themselves a lot more most people know way more than they think they do they know the answer you know before they go looking for things so if people could just spend more time actually listening to the anxiety the the anxiety that they have and why that they have it or the friction or the anger or whatever then they would have the answer it would be there the issue is the confidence in taking action because it quite often involves people so it's like if you hate your job and deep down you know that The issue is, is that you've got to walk into your boss's office and go, by the way, absolutely hate my job. I'm handing my notice in, And then you've got like, oh, my God, I don't have a job to go to. I haven't figured that thing out yet. But at least you honored what you were feeling. Like you hate your job. Go and hand your notice in. You'll figure it out. We always figure things out when our backs are against the wall. Human beings are amazingly adaptive. We don't give ourselves enough credit. Like if you went into my bank account today and be like, right, I've taken all your money away. You ain't got any money left. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd go out and earn some. Like <laughs> you know, I get a bloody job quick. you yeah. react, right? So I just want people to spend a bit of time in silence, trust their thoughts and feelings, stop Googling so much, stop get in so many other people's advice just go inside and listen because so many of the answers are there and sometimes other people might like might not like it they might not understand but as long as it's your truth then it's all good because it's your life
0: i love that ben thank you so much for coming on just before I ask you for your piece of advice where can people go to find out more about you and what you do because there's so much more than what we spoke about today
1: Sure. Uh, Come on over to social media. I'm Ben Coomber everywhere. Uh, Very easy to find. Same name on all social platforms. If anyone wants to check out the book, it's called How to Live an Awesome Life. It's available on Audible or
0: Amazon. And like otherwise, yeah, just come say hello, reach out. And last but not least, what's your piece of advice that you want to pass along to a guest coming on the podcast in the near future?
1: Trust yourself. You know more than you think you do you're way more capable than you think you are and it's time to really believe in yourself and go deep
0: on what it is that you want and what you want to achieve i think that's a great way to finish ben thank you so much amazing thank you And that brings us to the end of this episode of the Outside and Active podcast with Ben Coomber. Thank you so much to Ben for coming on and teaching us how to live an awesome life and give us some of those 11 steps as to how we can go about achieving that. Don't forget to check out this week's sponsor, Mizuno. Head over to the National Running Show Instagram where you can win a chance to enter the Amsterdam Marathon later this year. A really, really awesome prize. If you want to leave a review on this podcast, then please do. It really means a lot. And also forward this podcast on to someone who you think that would enjoy it just as much as you. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Outside and Active podcast. But until that time, enjoy the outdoors.